This is Shlomo Swidler, CEO of Orchestratus, on Sunday, April 6th, 2014. Hi, welcome to the OpenStack Israel podcast. This is your host, Shlomo Swidler. On today's episode, our guest is Nati Shalom, CTO of Gigaspaces. How are you, Nati? I'm fine. How are you, Shlomo? Very good. Thank you. So tell us, Nati, we had some wonderful presentations at the conference in December, and now it's the beginning of April. What have you guys been busy with? Yeah, so basically, I would split the update into two uh, categories. One of them is OpenStack Israel, and the next event in the 2nd of June, and the other one is uh, what kept us busy uh, in Gigaspaces specifically. Okay, let's talk about the, the upcoming event briefly first. What uh, are you so I'll start, I think, with the, with the next OpenStack event in the 2nd of June. Yes. Uh, so usually the events follows the same events that happens in global uh, OpenStack events. This year the event in, is in Atlanta, the OpenStack Summit, and uh, the event in Israel is going to be on the 2nd of June. So it's a few weeks uh, following uh, the, uh, the summit itself. Uh, so I think we keep on the tradition. The good news, I think, from the relationship perspective with the OpenStack organization is that, uh, one, I think we have more tight connection with that. So the event itself is now listed. Uh, every speaker that submitted something uh, to OpenStack and, uh, and got an email from them uh, got Tel Aviv as part of the list of places in which the summit is going to extend to after the event. So I think we got much more connection and visibility with the actual summit itself, which is good. Uh, the other thing that I think is, uh, is good is obviously the actual support and, uh, and the, the people uh, that will be coming to OpenStack Israel from the foundation itself. And so we got Monty Teller, we got uh, some other folks from the foundation that will be visiting Tel Aviv. Uh, so from that perspective, I think we keep Tel Aviv in the right, you like, uh, position as a leading player uh, and someone who's very active or a place in which there's a lot of activities around OpenStack, which was part of the uh, missions for the organization. I think the second update is obviously all the things that are related to Ice, Ice House, and uh, there's a couple of things coming up with Ice House, uh, specifically around uh, the updates around the networking and uh, around the, uh, the ability to run in uh, bare metal, uh, something, a project that is called Ironic, that in my view are the exciting news uh, around, the, around Ice House, uh, the new release of OpenStack. And in general, there is a, there is a lot of maturity, a lot of bug fixes, uh, a lot of extension to existing projects. Uh, also new projects that are related uh, really to things that are up the stack, uh, things that are related to orchestration like in HIP, and things that are related to things on top of the orchestration, uh, which is a project that deals with how do you basically manage application on that environment. So I think, uh, generally speaking, uh, there is a progression towards maturity and there is new innovation uh, ironic, I think, is, is the most uh, notable item in, in the ISOPS release for that, from that perspective. Why is uh, the ability to run OpenStack on bare metal so interesting in your view? Uh, there are a couple of things around that. Uh, one, there's certain workload like big data that are more latency specific or latency sensitive, in which running on the hypervisor uh, creates not just overhead, uh, but great unpredictability because of it basically takes you to a shared environment. And it blocks certain kind of application from running in a, in a cloud-based environment in the first place. So by doing that, uh, I think that we're removing 
the last bear of running application on on the cloud. And, and generally speaking, I think with that there would be no application that runs outside of the cloud that couldn't run on the cloud uh, with no excuses almost. So I think that's one aspect, the performance aspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, the second aspect is that I think it opens the door to a new kind of uh, virtualization and cloud, uh, specifically with the introduction of Docker's, Docker and, and, and the likes, uh, which basically gives you the ability to run in a more lightweight uh, model on uh, bare metal. So right now, the only model in which uh, most cloud runs is on top of the hypervisor, but hypervisor uh, was really designed to give you the, uh, the isolation uh, plus the ability to partition a machine, a physical machine, so that you could maximize the utilization. And, have, uh, and I think one of the most important one is uh, that you'll be able to share the environment with other users without you know, them affecting one another. So it gives you the ability to basically achieve most of those properties without necessarily compromising on performance. And that also means that the time it takes to launch a VM and those type of things will be uh, vastly faster. I think it, there, is a, a lot of, there is a lot of room for innovation uh, once we go in that route and once we add that as, as an item to the list. Interesting. So what you're saying is that you can deploy OpenStack on bare metal, and then if you need individual app containers, you can use a technology like Docker or LXC. Yes. That's one option in which you can you know, achieve the cloud the elasticity in a bare metal environment and still use... Uh, bare metal. Because the reason why you couldn't really or didn't make sense to use bare metal in the cloud environment is because one, uh, there was no good solution for isolation, and second, uh, the ability to reuse the environment uh, after it's been used by someone else was uh, not an easy problem because uh, obviously you have, you have the environment dirty and they have to clean it and so forth, so it didn't make sense. Uh, with the introduction of the Linux container, uh, it gives you lightweight VM if you like that, takes advantage of most of the operating system features for isolation. In that case, you achieve a lot of the functionality that you would achieve with an hypervisor without the overhead of an hypervisor. That generally speaking, uh, obviously the, it, Docker and Linux within it doesn't cover all the properties of a hypervisor in terms of isolation, for example, networking piece and some other items that are not there yet. It might be there. Uh, but I think there is a room for creating uh, if you'd like, uh, a cloud within a cloud for bare metal. Uh, so you could still use the regular cloud for all different things and and basically uh, route all the more intensive workload to a bare metal cloud and that would become an SLA property uh, rather than something that will cause you to switch completely from cloud uh, for those cases. So Ironic would allow you to deploy the same cloud and manage a cloud part of which is hypervisor-based and part of which is bare-metal-based? Yes. We're going to have to have a talk about that on another podcast because that's fantastic. Yeah. The, the idea is that from a user perspective, we still use the Nova API for you know, both, uh, both items. It's just a different way to provision things. And Ironic is due out in Icehouse? Yes. Well, that's what's been keeping the OpenStack community at large busy lately. What have uh, Gigaspace has been doing with OpenStack? Uh, we've been uh, fairly easy, fairly busy with uh, a few major deployments uh, that I think took a lot of our attention, and uh, specifically, I think, uh, around the Havana release and the integration with the Havana release, we added uh, 
why it's referred to as uh, bringing the network and application together, and basically taking advantage of the new networking API, the Neutron API, which is called in OpenStack, and uh, taking it to, uh, much closer to the application. And what do I mean by that? I mean, typical deployment of an application on the cloud uh, includes a lot of things that are uh, that are related to networking setup. For example, setting up security, setting up load balancer, setting up uh, uh, public IP addresses, uh, setting up uh, availability zones to, for redundancy and some other things. All those things are related to networking specifically, even though uh, we don't necessarily know that they are related to networking. And so far, in most cases, uh, the configuration of those properties was done uh, mostly manually. Uh, so we created our own security groups and you know, configured the load balancer beforehand, and then plugged it the application. Now with the with the fact that we have the networking API in our end, uh, we can actually make it as part of the deployment uh, configuration of the application itself. In that case, automate the networking and the application together, and there is a lot of benefit to do that. One benefit is obviously simplicity. We don't necessarily need to. Uh, do all those static configuration before we deploy an application. The second one that we gain by abstracting that uh, properties as part of the application deployment is obviously the render blocking, which means that we can still run uh, the same blueprint in the Cloudify terminology uh, in OpenStack and in Amazon and still be portable. Uh, so that removes uh, one major piece of, if you'd like, of stickiness to a specific cloud environment. Uh, the third item, which in my view is the uh, more interesting one, even though the first ones are the more uh, natural one, uh, it's, it actually enables you to tighten the security quite a bit because uh, when we uh, set up the networking in a, in a kind of in a static way, we obviously used to open uh, the ports and open some other configuration items more widely than we used to because we don't necessarily know where exactly the application would be running. Uh, one we, once we orchestrate it as part of the application, we know, for example, specifically which nodes are going to be connected to our database. We know specifically which node runs our load balancer and how they are connected. So we can tighten the security to say only these nodes are allowed to access our database. And only these nodes are allowed to access uh, our load balancer and so forth. And, and and, and because it's all dynamic, doesn't add the complexity associated. So that's one aspect that I think is new once you put the, the, the two together. So that was, I think, one of the major items that we've been dealing with uh, with uh, the current release, which is Cloudify 2.7. The other item uh, in that category uh, that also take advantage of the, uh, the Neutron API is the availability zone. Uh, so one of the things that uh, users have done again, mostly manually today, was to set up availability zones for ensuring uh, the redundancy and the availability of the application. But, for example, if you wanted to automate things, uh, what happens when you provision, let's say, your web server in one availability zone, and then your elastic block storage uh, in another availability zone? So obviously, that doesn't work well. So I want to make sure that the one that the, the storage and the web container would be on the same availability zones. And in the case of failure, you will provision them in the same way. So when you provision the new web container, you will remember on which availability zone it failed, and you will launch it on the same availability zone where it failed, and not randomly across the availability zones. 
this this is called the uh, the velvet zone affinity uh, feature, uh, which means that we uh, we want to know the location of the service that fell from like a velvet zone perspective, which is another property of networking, and make sure that the storage and the networking take uh, uh, take that into consideration when we automate that process and we wouldn't just randomly uh, put them in the wrong places if you like. And that's kind of, I think, the, key, the main key points from that perspective. When I spoke with Uri and Jaron uh, on one of the earlier episodes of the podcast series, they were describing a tool that you were working on that would allow, kind of like uh, Amazon Web Services cloud formation, to script via configuration of multiple VMs in a single deployment, working on that for providing those features to run on OpenStack. Is that part of what you're describing is released in 2.7? Yes, so what I described is 2.7 uh, and the release that will be launching in beta by the, uh, by the summit is called 3.0. Uh, 3.0 is a very major uh, release. Uh, it's actually taking a lot of steps uh, to bring the uh, Cloudify much closer to, uh, to OpenStack, both in language, stack, uh, and technology and the underlying technology, uh, meaning Python, uh, ActiveMQ, and, and so forth, uh, RabbitMQ, sorry. Um, and, but the most important thing is the Tosca, uh, that I think you referred to, the, the alignment to Tosca. So we're, we're now part, officially part of the Tosca organization. And Tosca, for those who are not familiar with that, is uh, like a standard modeling language. Orchestration modeling language to define an application. So previously to that, we used our own modeling language, uh, which was based on Groovy. And with Tosca, uh, we're basically moving from that to a YAML-based configuration, uh, which is also backed by standard. Beyond the standardization of that and the fact that it uses YAML, which is a more like standard way of doing things in this world, uh, it adds a lot of features. Uh, to what you could do through modeling. So you could define pods. For example, you could say that in this server, uh, I need each of the services in this server needs to have a web container and a database. And when you scale that that instance or that part of my architecture, you always need to create that pod and not scale each one individually. Uh, it adds uh, more relationships. So I can have an application of applications and services of services. It allows you to do better reuse of Services. So, for example, if I define a database in one place, I can reuse that configuration and just override it uh, to the specific configuration of a specific instance. Uh, so it allows me to do more complex deployment uh, through that type of modeling and in the standard way. I think that's the main uh, thing that uh, is coming up with 3.0, which, as I said, it's also uh, a release that will be designed to be much closer to the native OpenStack, as we call it. Uh, so those are the main two items. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we added a lot of things from previous experience, which will allow you to be much more operational ready, which is the integration with Logstash, Elasticsearch, and, and the rule-based engine around that, uh, which basically means that uh, we've taken a lot of the best practices that people have done uh, when they manage applications in the cloud and monitor things and basically baked it so that you wouldn't need to deal with a lot of the configuration items and how to set up the environment to include those items. Uh, that's kind of, I think, uh, the third item. So the first item was Tosca. Uh, the second item 
uh, was the, uh, the ability to deal with uh, uh, all the dependencies that I mentioned. And the third item is the monitoring and alerting. So forgive me if I'm mistaken here, but it sounds like what you're building is the cloud management layer that should be common to all to all cloud users when they deploy an application on the cloud. They want they want to see the operational view of their components, uh, how they're connected, and be able to control them. That sounds like yeah. exactly what you just yeah. built. Uh, it is it is something that everyone wants. Uh, there is a gap between what everyone wants and what exists right now, uh, which is one aspect. And there is another aspect, which is the integration with the monitoring. Uh, system, which is kind of creating, a, if you like, artificial intelligence and add artificial intelligence to the orchestration, meaning that uh, if I really want to get to a fully automated environment, I need a feedback loop. And in this case, the monitoring and analytics becomes that feedback loop uh, coupled with Google Engine, which will tell me, for example, to adjust my thresholds and uh, do moving thresholds uh, based on the actual runtime and all of those type of things. Uh, so. A lot of things make sense at the high level, but still, if you really need to build something like that, uh, you still need to do a lot of work to do that. So basically, we're not really doing anything new here. Uh, we're basically taking a lot of the best practices, uh, you know, that people from Bing and people from other companies, uh, Netflix and others, build for themselves, and trying to make it something that people can have a, in a more prepackaged experience rather than uh, recreating that uh, themselves. And, and right now. Uh, most of the clouds include part of those pieces, not all of them. These are features that you're saying are going to be out in Gigaspace's um, uh, release 3.0? Yes, and uh, that's due to beta in a few weeks, two weeks, I think, and uh, definitely by the time of this one. How much of that uh, requires Icehouse? Uh, right now, I think uh, from a feature perspective, there's not much uh, of ISOUSE integration by the fact that, uh, beyond the fact that we're reusing or uh, taking advantage of the same thing that we've done with Neutron. So there is a lot of emphasis on how we automate the configuration of the networking, which again, it's a feature that was done in, in Havana and was extended uh, in the uh, ISOUSE release and we're basically integrating with that. Beyond that, uh, we haven't yet taken advantage of uh, other features within uh, ISOs. And I assume that at the upcoming uh, OpenStack Israel event on June 2nd, there will be some more depth uh, about the latest, uh, and latest and greatest Gigaspaces features? Yes, and, and this is maybe a time for, uh, you know, encourage people to do their own call for papers. Uh, the call for paper is still open, and uh, we really encourage people to uh, jump in and suggest their own sessions. So obviously, we do because it's, a, it's an event that is taking place here, we do want to encourage people uh, doing something interesting with OpenStack here, or have something interesting to talk about related to OpenStack to submit their suggestion, and, and we'll include that as part of the agenda. Yes, definitely. If you're listening and you have something interesting you want to say about OpenStack, come to the openstack-israel.org website. Check out the call for papers. Submit your idea. Nazi, is there anything in specifically that uh, that the committee is looking for to hear about specific subjects, specific kinds of presentations? Yes, uh, good point. Uh, obviously, there are two main things that I think are of interest. Anything that are related to ISOs uh, from an update perspective, and the most interesting one is case studies. Uh, companies that are doing 
planning to do something interesting with OpenStack. Uh, those are the two main things that are interesting for us right now. We had some interesting case studies at the some at the uh, Israel event back in December. Uh, do you think we'll see some updates about those? Yes. Uh, first of all, I think we'll see updates from the existing uh, list of companies uh, that were presented: Live Person and Red uh, Bradware and Alcatel. Uh, obviously, ourselves uh, and uh, Melanox uh, and a bunch of other uh, companies I know that I've been talking to recently, including Amdocs and. Many other companies are doing some interesting things and around OpenStack or with OpenStack or for OpenStack or planning to do with OpenStack. So I'm hearing much more of that, and uh, and I'm hoping that all of them will be able to speak publicly because there is a difference, as you know, uh, between hearing them talking about what they're doing and uh, getting them to talk about it publicly. So hopefully we'll get them to be more public about what they're playing or already doing. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, I've seen also a new startup. Uh, which was uh, something that uh, I was missing in a lot of the previous sessions. Uh, so I'm hoping to see more startups uh, talking about the things that we're doing around OpenStack as well. So that's kind of the, uh, the, the, the main interesting story from, let's say, the Israeli perspective. And I'm hoping to get more updates as we, as we go on. Okay. So how long is the call for papers open? I expect that by the beginning of May uh, that will be closed. So Passover is coming up. Work on it during your during your break and submit right afterwards. Exactly. Nati, thank you again for updating us on uh, the latest OpenStack happenings uh, with IceHouse, the summit, the Israel OpenStack event, and Gigaspaces news specifically. Uh, I look forward to seeing you at the OpenStack Israel event on June 2nd. And again, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you very much, Alma.